Hi, this is Josh Thompson. Uh, if you're listening to this recording, it's because this message you're about to listen to has a lot of static in it. It's a little distracting, but the message is worth listening to, so I really encourage you to uh, gird up your minds, work through it, enjoy. Amen. We have uh, our brother Matt here, and uh, he's going to come and just share just a quick word. Just like I've been saying, family, remember we've been... We've been having guys come up, just bring a new flavor to the table so you don't have to hear my voice all the time. And uh, you get to hear some fresh and um, some new insight from some other brothers. And so we got Matt all the way from New Zealand. He came all the way from New Zealand just to be here tonight. Just get my ear to visit right now. But, um, but uh, he's going to come and just share a quick word with us. So let's have our ears open. Let's have our hearts ready. And uh, maybe God has a special word just for you specifically tonight. Welcome, Matt. Also, I just want to apologize for my accent. Um, a lot of people have been laughing at me this week, just staring at me, blanking a lot of what I'm saying. So, if you don't understand, then it's not my fault. It's your fault. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got sprung on this uh, about, I don't know, about three dollars an hour before um, we came to Josh. So, this is kind of just put together, but um, it's something that. My heart. Um, I run Bible study back home in New Zealand. Um, it was inspired by um, this group um, last year when I came out here. I just, um, in my, in the place where I come from, um, there's a lot of common teaching, and people just don't know their God. And um, so one of the things that, um, that, I, that I guess I really see is people people in the church. People just don't have any idea who God is, and because of that, their lives just totally represent just the nothingness that they have inside. And, and so they don't do anything for God. And I guess my, my, my heart grieves for them because I so want to see people on fire for them. I think the age group that excites me the most is the 18 to 13 year old age group. And it's the, the age group where there's no one. There seems to be a desert in, in the, where I come from. And, and this is the, the generation that I think can rise up and do more than any other generation. Um, it just is the, the time with the, the, the people have, you know, the energy that they have, you know, there's so much more that they can do at this time, and I think it's exciting. And so for me, that I guess that's a bit about me, that's who I am, and, um, and I want to go to John chapter 18 tonight, and um, yeah, just, I just want to read a little bit um, about, about verse 4 on, and uh, I'm not going to do the whole thing because it's massive, but um, I just want to give you a little bit of insight to something that happened to me around the time when I was preparing um, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Who are you seeking? They answered them, Jesus of men, Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas who betrayed him also stood with him. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And that is a passage that I want to talk about tonight, because it's something that, that to me speaks to us. Firstly, it says that there was a bad to me the troops that came. And looking into the history, it actually refers to a court, which is a team. I've been 6,000 men. So it's about 600 men came armed to the team, mountains and fortunes, to come and get Jesus. And Jesus had the boldness and the courage to go straight up to them. And said, look, look, Jesus is I am here. The I am statement is a statement that was made from God to the prophets when he said that I am God. Just say that I am. So what these guys saw before them was not just a Jesus, a man, but God before them. 
I believe the thing knew exactly who he was and who they were at that moment. And, and one thing that happened to me when I was, when I was um, writing this Bible study is we pay a lot of support at my church. It's great fun. And, and this one time after the service, we were playing the sport, and it was my turn to lock up. And as I was there, everybody else had gone. And we had this light that's in the middle of the building. You've got to turn this light off and make your way through the, the sanctuary of the church, through all the chairs, and it's just absolutely pitch black. You just can't see a thing. It's like when you're closing your eyes, you just can't see anything in front of you because your eyes are closed. So the thing was, is what happened is I closed this, you know, the closed it before the doors, locked it all up. And you've got to go through the side door, it's just an arm, you just push it and then it locks itself. I turned the lights off and I went through. And it's, I hate it because often you bump your heads and stuff, but this one time I was, I was just walking through, I just suddenly imagined there was Jesus just sitting there in one of the pews. I was freaking <laughs> The first thing that I did is I just bolted. And I ran straight to the, to the door, but I forgot about all the chairs. <laughs> I ran into a whole lot of chairs. Um, this is just a mirror of a situation, to be honest. And anyway, I slammed into this door and probably missed the bar. So all I did was just whack into the door. I hurt my shoulder. It was just an absolute mirror. And, and so you know, I managed to open the door. And it just, you can just imagine he was standing up the back of my neck. And my heart was going to moon miles an hour. And then when I went and jumped in my car to drive home, he was sitting in the car beside me. And again, I was just absolutely and I was freaked because at that moment when I saw it, I wasn't ready to see it. Because at that moment I knew exactly what the sin was within my life. And I wasn't ready to face Jesus. Because I knew what he had done and where I was, and I just couldn't face that. And I guess I want to read a little bit from a, a clip from um, a guy, Jonathan Edwards, who's really one of the forefathers in American history in terms of the church. And, um, and this really spoke to me because it's something that we all need to grasp. Just, just what is coming in. It is very heavy, and, and when this was spoken, the sermon was spoken, um, 400 people were saved this day, and um, it, was, it was a pretty scary thing um, for the people, actually. There was people holding onto the pillars and onto the, the forms in this church because they thought they were going to slide into hell. That's how heavy this is, but um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just a little bit. said, it's fury, the fierceness of his breath that you're exposed to. We often read of the fury of God in Isaiah 59, 18. According to their deeds, according he will pay fury to his adversaries. So Isaiah 66, 15, For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with chariots, like a whirlwind to rend up his anger, anger with fury, and his rebukes with flames of fire. And so in many other places, so we read of God's fierceness. Revelation 19:15, we read of the winepress of the fierceness and the breath of the Almighty God. The words are exceedingly terrible. If it only been to see the breath of God, the words would not quiet, that which is but it's not only said so, but the fierceness and the wrath of God, the fury of God, the fierceness of Jehovah. Like how dreadful that must be. Who can utter or conceive what such expressions carry in them? But it's not only said so, but the fierceness and the wrath of the Almighty God. As there would have been very great, a very great manifestation of His Almighty power. And what the fierceness of His wrath should be, as though omnipotence should be as it were enraged. Exerted as men are wont to exert their strength in the fiercest of their wrath. Oh, then what would be the consequence? What will become of the poor worm that shall suffer, whose hands can be strong and whose heart endure? To what a dreadful and expressible and conceivable depth of misery must this poor creature be sunk? Who shall be the subject of this? Consider this. You are here present that it remain in an ingenuous state, that God will execute the fierceness of his anger, requires that he will inflict wrath without pity. When God beholds the inevitable extremity of your case, and sees your torment to be so vastly disproportionate to your 
sees how your poor soul is crushed and sinks down, as it were not in the infinite gloom, he will have no compassion upon you. He will not forbear the executions of his wrath, or in the least lighten his hand. There shall be no moderation or mercy, nor will God be saved. Stay his rough wind. He will have no regard to your welfare, nor be at all careful, lest you should suffer too much. Nor any other sense than only that you should not suffer beyond what a strict justice requires. Nothing shall be withheld because it is too hard for you. Ezekiel 8 18 says, Therefore I will also deal with you. My eyes shall not spare, neither will I have pity. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, yet I will not hear. And that was massive to me because sometimes I wonder.
not allow the enemy to rip him off or the people around him. Build an army there, King, that will serve you and bring many to know you. Thank you for many special blessings upon him. We thank you for the work that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, reading through the Bible together, we in Deuteronomy chapter 19. If you have your Bibles, if you don't, that's all right. I'll read it to you. Deuteronomy chapter 19. And you know, as we've been reading together, we are here at a point where we're just about to move into the promised land. The Jews have been traveling there with Moses for many days, for 40 years to be exact. And they're just about to cross the Jordan River and move into the promised land. Now see, where they're actually at is, it's almost like, uh, see when I was there in Israel, lived there for three months. In Israel, you'll see that there's like a valley on the outside of Jerusalem. It's almost like there are mountains surrounding, and you even go through, it's Highway 1, I think it is, that's weird. But you travel Highway 1 into Jerusalem, and right there on the outskirts is Jericho, and then right there on the east side is the Jordan River. That's a big river, it's, it's massive, um, in certain spots. But also there's the Dead Sea, and so... These people are getting ready to cross the river, but there's great preparation starting to happen within their hearts. And Moses right now is kind of recapping on all the things that the Lord had told them and instructed the people to do. The children of Israel, great picture of who? Us. Uh, man, I just heard the other day, I can't remember who said that, but it would only take them, I think it was 13 days, if from the point from out of Egypt to Israel, to Jerusalem... Um, how long did it take them? 40 years, right? But if they would have just obeyed the Lord their God, it would have taken them like 13 days to walk there. They wandered for 40 years. Why? Because they would not be obedient unto the king. And that's what this book is. book of Deuteronomy is, is kind of recapping on these things. This wandering and um, the instructions that the Lord had given them. Isn't that a great... Man, a picture for us to understand real quick. Hey, you want things to go quick. You want to get it right fast? Serve the Lord your God. Obey Him. Hey, if God made our lives, and if there really is a God, and if He created us, then don't you think His way is the best? Of course. If God created fun, pleasure, and all of the above, then His way would be what? The most fun, the most pleasurable, the most exciting, the most adventurous. Of course. But for some reason, we as people, we get ripped off. We get smacked in the face. We get beat down by the enemy. Many times. We're going to look at that tonight. Just how the enemy tries to bribe us and pull us away in many different ways. We're going to look at these three feasts tonight. Three feasts that God is instructing the people to remember. Now these feasts, there are, I believe, oh, seven, nine feasts. Uh, there are a bunch of different feasts that the Lord would have the people do, the Jews in that day. Now, why? Well, think about it. What do we have so that we remember? We have holidays, right? Like the 4th of July. Why? Why, why do we have that? We have that so we remember our independence. Um, we have Memorial Day to remember those who died. We have uh, Christmas and Easter and all of the above to remember the birth of our King. And 
his death and resurrection, not an Easter bunny and a bunch of presents for me. Okay, uh, but we set holidays throughout our year. Why? So that we will remember something. And our King, our God, the Father here in the Old Testament has set these feasts in the Jews' lives. Why? In Israel's lives. Why? So that they will remember their God. So they will remember certain monumental things that the Lord had done for them. Because guess what? Has there been things that the Lord has done for you? There's been many things He's done for me. And guess what? What do we do? We forget. And guess what? When, when a problem or situation, trial or tribulation comes in our lives, what do we do? Um, we worry and we wander and we bicker and gripe. And God, how would you let this happen? And how are you going to pull through? And this and that. Hey, you need to remember that He has pulled through in the past at all times and that He is going to pull through in the future at all times. If only the children of Israel would have said, every single, what about, remember when they were hungry? What, have you brought us out here to starve? It's like, I would, if I was going to be idiots. Which he did say these kind of things. Did I, oh, he said it through Moses. Did I not bring you, deliver you from the hand of Pharaoh? 400 years here in slavery, and I delivered you. And you saw the great hand of God part that Red Sea, and you walked on that dry ground. And you still bicker, complain, and cry. Sounds like us. God has pulled through for us many times, parted many Red Seas. And we continue to bicker and gripe and wonder why or when He's going to pull through. Remember? God is never late. He's always on time. He always pulls through. But what? He's never early either. <laughs> Seems like He's right on time. He's going to pull through. So let's look at these feasts, these three feasts here mentioned, and see what they're for and why they're placed. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 1. Observe the month of Abed and keep the Passover until the Lord thy God. Abed, this is the, they say it's the first month of the religious calendar within Israel. And it is also springtime we're speaking about here that this feast is to happen. For in the month of Abed, the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. Brought him out of Egypt. You shall therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God out of the flock of the herd and the place which the Lord shall choose to place his, his name here. Verse 3. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread there within, even the bread of affliction. For thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, that thou may remain, remember the day which... Thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. Stop there. What's God saying? He's like, listen up. You will remember Passover. You will have Passover. Why? Because you will remember when I delivered you from Egypt. And how do you remember Passover? You were to sacrifice a lamb. You remember what happened to Passover? Do you remember in Egypt? Do you remember the night? Let me give you the setting. All these plagues and things have happened. Do you remember Pharaoh? You've seen the movie. Pharaoh's sitting there. Moses is like, let my people go. Pharaoh's like, uh-uh, I ain't going to do it. And what happens the last night, the last time? Well, God tells them to do what? Take the blood of a lamb and do what? Remember? Put it on the doorposts of the door. And the angel of death will pass over the homes. And the one, the ones who do not have the blood over the door are not covered with the blood of what we put to death, the firstborn. There are many firstborn that were put to death. Pharaoh was fed up and he's like, okay, let's get the people out. Get out of here, man. I'm fed up with you guys. Get out. 
Don't ever come back. And what happens? The people start running. And they left before their bread had even risen. And this is why unleavened bread is the special stuff. Because if those of you who bake, you know. Those of you who don't, listen. When you bake bread, I'm not a bread baker, but I just know it's in the ground. I'm just talking. You put yeast in a bread, and what you do is you put it in the oven at a, at a very low temp, and you allow the yeast helps the bread to rise up, okay? If you don't put yeast in bread, you get a cracker, okay? You get flat bread. That's what you get, a flat piece of bread, hard, flat bread, okay? But if you put yeast in it, what will happen is it will rise, and that's how you get this wonder bread. That's how you get flat. Man, this, uh, you guess what I'm talking about, those of you who peel off the outside and eat the inside. Anyways. So they had left so quickly that the bread did not even rise. And for seven days they were to remember this. Verse 5, I believe we're in. No, I'm sorry, we're in verse 4. And there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in thy coast seven days. Neither shall anything of the flesh which shall sacrifice the first day and even remain all the night until morning. Thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover within any of the gates which the Lord thy God has given thee. So you're not to sacrifice within the gates of the city. It is to be done outside. And then a feast is to begin. You sacrifice the first night. The, the meat, you have to eat the meat that night. Sacrificing the lamb. They are to kill the lamb. And remember we went through all the rituals of the sacrifices and how it works. Putting on the altar. Burning it. And then they are to eat the meat of the lamb. And then what is to happen? The next morning, that is when it begins. That's when they are to eat unleavened bread, crackers, matzah, for six, or it's actually five days, I guess. Because on, no, six days, because on the seventh day they rest. But they eat, it still happens in Israel today. If you go there, they celebrate this. And they eat crackers all week long. So they remember. Can you imagine that? Hey, that's going to help you to remember. I mean, every time you eat that cracker, you're just like... We remember you brought us out of Egypt. We know. We understand, Lord. Oh, oh, I don't think we do. Even after eating that cracker all week long, we still forget our king many times. Verse 6. But the place which the Lord God shall choose, the place in his name, there shall sacrifice the Passover, even at the going down of the sun, at the season that thou camest forth of Egypt, which is in spring. And thou shalt roast and eat it in the place which the Lord God shall choose, which I just told thee. And thou shalt turn in the morning and go into thy tent. Six days thou shalt eat unleavened bread. Remember? Unleavened bread is what? A cracker. No yeast. Seventh day shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord thy God. Thou shalt do no work therein. Did you hear that? The seventh day you are to what? Do no work. Now, I believe this is still significant for us today. I've told you again, family, but I'll tell you again. Listen, this is important. I believe we, if God is real and if He has built our bodies, then He knows what is best. And if He says you should rest, you should have a Shabbat day, a Sabbath day, then it is crucial that we do. And I I still try to. I mean, I, I really do. Not that it has to be a certain exact day and we have to be all legalistic and crazy about it. I will not do anything on Saturday. And if you do... You're going to hell. No, that's not it, okay? That's not the way it works. But I believe that 
we are to have a Shabbat day, we should have some kind of Sabbath. Why? Because guess what? Your body needs rest, man. You're going to get stressed out. You're going to get jacked up all week long if you keep going nonstop. I'm telling you the truth. And on my Saturday, that's just my day. Hey, if your day's Tuesday, if your day's Friday, that's fine, whatever day. But on Saturday, I, w- I will do nothing that is burdensome to me. I'm going to exhaust my resting. I go surfing in the morning. We love it. After I'm done surfing, I take a nap on the beach. Then I go down to A's and I get fried zucchini. Oh, oh. And I rest. Hang out with the friends, goof off. And then, I hope you get tired of resting on your Shabbat. So you're ready to go. You're ready to get busy. You're ready to get back into your ministry things. You're ready to get back into your job or whatever you're doing. You're ready to get focused and be dedicated. Your body needs it. Let's get real. I'm telling you the truth. If you forsake that within your life, you're going to find yourself tired and wondering why. But if you keep this, I believe you'll be blessed. It's the truth. God tells these people here in this day still to keep Shabbat, to keep Sabbath. Let's look at the next piece, verse 9. Seven weeks shall number unto thee. How many how many days is seven weeks? How many days? Forty nine. Forty nine, right. Forty nine days. Seven weeks from such a time thou beginnest to pluck the sickle to the corn, or begin to what harvest. They begin to harvest food. Thou shalt keep the feast of weeks. What is this? This is Pentecost. Pentecost is, represents what? 50 days. How many days did it say? 49 days. 7. 7 weeks, which is 49 days. And on the 50th day, Pentecost. This is when this is the beginning. It's a one day thing. And here it is in verse 10. And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with a tribute of a freewill offering of thy hand, which thou shall give unto the Lord thy God according to the Lord thy God has blessed thee. So what is he saying? He's saying on this day you were to bring a free will offering by your own free will. You bring the, the beginning. Harvest time has just started. And so you bring of your harvest. You bring of the first goods. You bring a free will. Whatever you want to bring, you bring it unto the Lord. That's a great uh, example for us. A great illustration. Everything that you had, God has given to you. Do you know that? Family. Everything that you have, God has given to you. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so guess what? Many people think, well, if I give to God when the offering basket comes around, we're going to take one in just a sec. Just kidding. <laughs> like, what? No, but hey, your church, wherever you go to church, listen up. If God has given you everything that you have, Many people say, well, and snap, if I give, then I'm going to be, you know, I'm not going to have much. No. It's an oxymoron. If you don't give, you will not. You will have nothing. But when you give, you will have everything. It's backwards. The kingdom of heaven is inside out. It doesn't make sense. Jesus says the first will be last, and the last will be first. That's the way it works. And even here in this time on Pentecost, God says, hey, when you gather your harvest together, you take the first of it and you give it a free will offering unto the Lord. We should be doing that within our lives. I guarantee you, that's the one thing. Did you hear that? One thing. Did you hear that? Listen, one thing in the Bible that God says you can test Him in is giving unto Him. Like, well, that preacher, you know, he wants money. He just wants to get rich. Listen, you're not giving to the preacher, you're giving to God. 
If he wants to do that and deceive the people, that's his bad. The blood's on his head. You be faithful to your God. He has given to you, and you are to give back to him, period. How dare we steal from God? He has given us 100%, and we can't give back 10, 15, 20? Are you scared he's not going to bless you? Are you scared the creator of the universe does not keep his promise? Hey, every time it rains, is there a rainbow out? Well, guess what? He promised that thousands of years ago, and it still comes out every single time it rains. He's going to pull through in those times. You would give to your king. And I would encourage you, even out on the streets, wherever you're at, if the Lord's speaking to you in a grocery store, pay for that lady's groceries. Pay for it. If the Lord's speaking to you to buy the guy's lunch behind you, then buy it. If the Lord's speaking to you to, to, to give to somebody there in the church who's hurting, then give to them. Give to God. For He has given everything to you. You know, real quick. You know, we are, we're filthy rich. Every single person who lives in America, doesn't matter who, filthy rich. If you don't believe me, then go live in another country. I have. I lived in Mexico for four months. I lived in the Middle East for three. You want to see poor? I remember when me and the guys came together, we got 200 bucks together and went down to this place in Carmen Sardin, 40 miles south of Takati. And we gave 200 bucks to this family. Guess what? We walked into their house, dirt floor. They have a little stove right here on the side where she would cook, you know, little tortillas and stuff. They have one bed. There's four in the family. This little twin bed. It's half of a camper. That's that's what they live in. Half of a camper with a blanket covering the other half so that the wind wouldn't blow in. We walk in there and I'm just like, what is this? I just wanted to take them. Just take everything. We gave her $200. You know how much that was? That was worth $2,000 to them. And I couldn't believe, you know, that I'd pay that much for a pair of jeans. I spend this kind of money. You think we're, you know, it's like, I don't have money. I can't. Right. When $5 is a lot of money to someone. And that's When you sleep on a dirt floor, you let me know. When you don't have food to eat today, you let me know. There are people all over the world who are hurting. When I went to Egypt, I remember seeing the little the kids playing. There's there's the Nile River, and you know what? They dump all their trash in the Nile. And they're on both sides of the Nile. I saw a dead donkey lying there. There's children just playing in the trash and just rolling around and just I'm thinking like I was so excited when I came home because I could I just was excited to sleep in my bed. I remember thinking to myself, a warm shower for a long time, that was like the biggest blessing because I remember you had to turn on the switch everywhere we went. Remember that Jay? You turn on the switch and you let the water heat up. And you get to take a warm shower for like five minutes, that's it. And if you take that long, you, you ruin it for the next guy. He doesn't have water now. We live like kings. I can't give. I mean, God has blessed you. How dare you? How dare you? Shame on you if you hold back from the king. Shame on me if I do not give to those who God commands me to. 
be his hands, be his heart, be his voice. Minister to people and love on them. Give tremendously to people to say, what? And watch what God will do in your life. It'll break you as a man. It'll break you as a woman. And you'll receive more blessing. You can't take any of it with you, family. And once you die, it's all here. You can give it away now and send it forward into the kingdom. But you can keep it all to yourself now and have nothing when you get there. Let's give to our God. As He commands the people here in this feast to give. Let's move on. Verse 11. And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God. Thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy maidservant and thy maid and thy maidservant and thy Levite is within thy gates and thy stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are among you in the place which the Lord God has chosen to place his name there. And thou shalt remember that thou was a bondman in Egypt and thou shalt observe and do these statutes. It's God saying, he's saying, hey, listen up. Remember who you were. Remember where you were. Once you were lost and now you are found. I don't even know... Gosh, man, I just... I think to myself, what if we just got the king snatched from us? Like, no more. You don't get to talk to him anymore. You don't get to spend time with your God. You don't get any privileges from him ever again for the rest of your life. What? I don't even know if we can experience that as Christians. Can you remember being lost and now be found? Can you remember? Can you get back in that mindset? What does the man do that does not have God? What do you do when hard times sit? Well, you chase money. You drink some more. You chase the girl or the guy, right? You buy something cool. You run after success. You, you, you do something to fill the void. You do something. The hard time hits. What do you do? God is trying to help these people understand. Remember when you were in Egypt and you did not have me. Remember when you were in bondage. Remember when you were a slave. Do not forget what God has given you. Do not forsake your king. Do not allow your heart to grow cold to the things that God has given you. Heaven's a sweet thing, friend. You can't buy it. He's given it to you for free dollars. That's not fair. He's given it to you. He's given it to me. Remember who you were. Remember where you came from. You sound like a rapper or something. Don't forsake the hood. It's true. But don't forsake who you were. You remember. And you thank God for what He's brought you. You cannot believe what the King has done. Let's thank Him right now. I'm going to thank Him right now. I want you to thank Him. From my heart, I'm just going to talk to Him and pray real quick. Father, I just want to say thank you, seriously, for what you've done. You've been a great God and there's none like you. And you deserve my life. You deserve my everything. You've given me more than I could ever ask or think. And so I'll give you my life, everything, anything you want. And Lord, we, your people, just want to say thank you. Can we say thank you, family? Say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done in our lives. Amen. Let's move on. The last feast here. Verse 13, Thou shalt observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days after thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine. So after the harvest is over, the Feast of Tabernacles begins. Thou shalt rejoice in thy feast, and thou and thy sons, and thy servant, and thy maidservant, and the Levite, and the stranger, and the fatherless, the widow, and 
all that are thy gates. Seven days shall you keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord shall choose, because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy increase, and in the works of thine hands. Therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. The Feast of Tabernacles is also known as the Feast of Ingatherings. And it was kept five days after the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. Remember, Yom Kippur is what? The one day when the high priest goes in and sacrifices for the entire nation of Israel. This feast was to help the people to remember that God provided it for them and took care of them when they wandered through the wilderness. Man, sometimes we need a feast like that. You've been, you ever been in a hard time? You wondered if you're ever going to get through it? Somehow you did. Maybe you cried out to God and He delivered you. It's happened to me a few times. I remember the deepest, hardest time of my life. I cried out to my God all week long. He didn't deliver me. And one day, it was about seven days, I kept asking Him, when will I have peace? When will I have rest? You promised me this. All of a sudden, man, He gave me a straight word and I wrote it down. I think I told you guys that last week, but man, He gave me a word. I wrote it down. And I was delivered from that moment on. I would read that word that He gave to me every time. Any time depression or anything tried to kick in. And I was delivered. And we need to remember those times. We need to remember. We need to have a feast. Hey, hey, take yourself out to dinner. And say, Lord, this is a feast unto you. I'm remembering what you've done for me. I'm remembering as you provided through the wilderness. Bless your God. Remember Him. Hey, family, I think that's the greatest thing we can do for our King, isn't it? Because look at this, look at this earth. Look at this world. What have they done? Forgotten God. What happened to, in God we trust? What happened to put your hand on the Bible? It's on our money. This nation that supposedly used to see God. It's gone. We, the nation is turning against God. Trying to rip Bible and prayer and everything out of this school. Anything, anywhere, every place. Hey, isn't this sweet? It's more public, man. People walking by and we can preach the gospel. You know, if we did this in China, the cops would roll up and we'd be done. If we did this in India, they would probably light this place on fire and burn it down. God has been gracious to us. How dare we forsake Him and forget our King? The greatest thing we can do is remember Him in our lives daily. It's a difficult thing to do, isn't it? Because work and all these things just come up and sneak upon us and we're so busy and focused on other things. Yeah, I was really convicted listen to your message Richard Bennett never heard the guy this guy from England amazing and he said you know what he's preaching to this Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa Chuck's Church he said this he says all you people you know all the information that you need you know the word well you know everything that you need to know in order for revival to break out you know it you don't need to know anything more But you know what? You have not taken the thing you have been told and applied it to your life. You do not exercise the things you know, and this is why revival does not break out. This is why you do not have revival within your own heart. And it's the truth for every single one of us here tonight. I believe that we know and understand the Word. We've been teaching it to you continually, and I know too. But the truth is, is we do not practice what we believe. 
We do not get on our face at home by itself in the quietness, in the closet, and talk to our God and have a two-way conversation with Him. Not one. Not, Lord, I need this. Talk to me. Help me with this. But to sit and listen to your God speak to you. To take all the things that you have been taught and apply it to your life and let it become real. So heavily convicted. Because I know and revival needs to start in my heart individually. And the only way it does is by me seeking the face of my God daily. What is the secret? What is the secret to this life? It is spending time with God. How did He create it? Remember? God and one man in a garden. Them two hanging out and talking. That's what He wants in your life. He wants a real, vibrant relationship with you. Many of us have forsaken our King day after day after week, even though we've been faithful to church and serving and all of the above, but we do not know our God. Family, I tell you these things not to come to I tell you these things because I want you to be blessed. And I want you to experience the great things in this world. Do you understand the secret? Do you understand what I'm telling you? then I dare you to spend time with your God by yourself. I dare you to talk to your king. You're either a loony talking to the sky or he's really hearing you from He's really and he wants to be close to you. And when that happens, you watch what God does. You watch how God moves. You watch what Let's move on. Let's move on. We've just got a few verses here left. Seven days, verse 15, shalt thou keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord shall choose, because the Lord shall bless thee in all thine increase, in all thy works, and all thy hands. Therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. And that week there, that week of tabernacles, is a great time of celebration all week long. Look at verse 16. And I'm going to read 16 and 17. Three times in a year shall all the males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the feast of unleavened bread, and in the feast of weeks, and in the feast of tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord thy God which he has given thee. So what does it say? It says every single what? Man, interestingly enough. Every single man shall appear before the Lord in these three feasts, three times a year. Wow. Why does he call the man? Why doesn't he say men, women, and children all are to show up? Well, I think there's something interesting here. Remember a poll that was taken. If a man in a family serves his God and is faithful unto him, and encourages the family to follow God, then the rest of the family comes to know the Lord. And but they took another point, and this is this is what happens like eighty percent of the time. But then they said for some reason if if, if there's a woman like a woman in prayer, man, this is an awesome mom, you know what I'm talking about. That's just faithful, just praise for the family. But the, the father does not know the Lord, that the rest of the family the majority of the time I think it's completely opposite. Like 80% of the time, I'm not to seek the face of God. And it'll take longer for this to happen. Now, why? Why does this focus? Why does this happen? Well, I don't think it has anything to do with sex, meaning male or female. 
But I do think it has something to do with the way that God had designed it. This is the way Joshua stood up and said, For me and my house we will serve the Lord. Men, listen up. The next generation depends upon many of us here. Women, listen up. You've got to be praying for that one that you will marry, that man that you will marry, that you will be one who serves the King and lives for Him daily. And men, you've got to strap up your boots and get moving forward in the right direction. Get your life ready and prepared to raise a godly family that serves the King. It is your duty... It's your responsibility to take that weight upon your shoulders and ministering unto your family daily. And ministering unto your family. And loving them. And taking care of them. And praying for them. And encouraging them. And we've got to do this. It is the men who are called three times. I believe because if the man goes, the rest of the family will follow. It doesn't say that the rest of the family can't come. It just says it is mandatory for the man to show up. And what does it say? that the man is not to show up empty-handed before the Lord. Don't you dare come without something in your hands. You know what? It says you were to give according to what you have. What do you have? What do you have to offer? What do we have to offer to the King? What is it? What are you good at? What has God gifted you in? What do you have to offer to Him? And according to what you have, that is how you are to give. But you are never to come empty-handed. There are many of us who come empty-handed continually, daily unto the Lord. Now listen, we are to be coming with something always. If you're a musician, don't get up there and play half-hearted. You are to give your worship unto the King continually. If you're gifted in some kind of thing specifically with work, hey, don't be bringing it half-heartedly. Don't be bringing it unto the Lord with nothing and with complaining. Don't serve men. Serve the Lord. Well, well, maybe the... Hey, hey, hey. Serve the King. If you're a shepherd who cares for people and loves on them, and you come full blast every single week, do not come out empty-handed. It is mandatory for you. And family, most importantly, we as a family, as we lead families one day, Dave, we got to be leading them we got to be leading them in the ways of the Lord. And we must not come empty-handed. Hey, if we can't come to the Lord with something in our hands now, how will we come when we have a family? How will we come when we lead? Men, if we are not on our knees now, today, we will never be. We've got to make the decision now. We've got to start moving forward now. We've got to start bringing our gifts into the kingdom now. Mike. It's got to start today move on here. There's a couple sweet principles left here in this chapter. We're almost done. Verse 18. Judges and officers shalt thou make thee in all thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee throughout the tribes. And they shall judge the people within just judgment. Thou shalt not rest. Judgment thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift for a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. That which is altogether just shall thou follow. Thou mayest live and inherit the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. There's a lot there, but listen. God said you were to appoint judges over the people, and they are to rule, and they are to delegate, and they are to judge the people. 
Now look at the specific instructions that God gives for the judges. He says what? Do not be bribed or do not receive a gift from anyone. You are to be focused and justice continuing. What does this mean? I think it is a great picture of us in this life and the enemy. What are you talking about? Is it not a bribe every single time that pulls us away from the Lord? Think about it. Is it not some kind of gift that the enemy brings to us? Is it not something, some kind of bribe, some kind, something to pull us away, something to entice us? Every single time the enemy comes, he comes with a bribe. And the Lord says you would act just and only follow justice and righteousness and this will make you live. It's simple. Think about it. The bribes that come to you, maybe pride. Oh wow, hey, if you do this, and everybody's going to see you and they're going to think you're this and that. They're going to be so stoked on you and that. Wow. That's why it's very... Getting on a mic like this. Wow, they're all going to look at you and they're going to think you're this and they're going to think you're that. Wow, you get to receive all the glory and they're just going to be so stoked on you, Josh. And you know, they're going to come and ask a question and be really excited. Hey, oh, you're playing music and man, you just, wow, I really enjoy your voice and you know, hey. And man, you know, you're serving in, in, in the church and man, wow, what a servant. You're so cool. Hey, hey, hey. Your Bible, not going to do it. I really know the thing. You must be very careful with the thing of Christ. Stealing the glory away from God? That's what the enemy did, remember? He tried to steal it from the king. And that's why you're still in heaven. God forbid that any one of us try to steal glory from him or take credit for something that we are doing. No. Who's giving you the gift? Who's giving you the ability? Who's giving you the privilege? It is a great and mighty king. And the only reason you have it, you must not accept those bribes. What about the bribes enticement in your minds, guys? The girl walking by. The things we see on TV, television, magazine, you name it, whatever. Watch the bribe. Do not guard your mind. Ladies, Stay far away from the bribe and talk smack with someone. Seriously. Gossiping. Causing issue. Oh my gosh, you see what Sonso's wearing? Hey! Don't be bribed into that. Did you hear about Sonso and what's going on here? Hey! I will not be bribed into those kind of things. We must stay far from it. Because why? It will destroy you. It says this. Do not respect persons. That's meaning in judging. Not to give one favor over another, but listen. He says, neither take a gift. For a gift does... Listen. For a gift will blind the righteous. The gift, a bribe, will blind you. And pervert your words.
that which is altogether just, follow it. That you may live. Did you hear that? You want to know how to live? You want to know how to experience life? You want to know how to experience goodness? You follow justice and righteousness. You guys hear that? It's night and day, family. I tell it to you time and time again. It's the simplest thing. Hey, you do good, you seek the face of God, you follow after His righteousness and holiness, guess what? You're going to live. You're going to reap good things. You do bad, you chase after the world, you allow the enemy to rip you off and laugh at you. And me too. We're all. Then you're going to face destruction every single time. Are you forgiven? Yep. But remember, you're slitting your wrist, man. You're going to be a bloody mess before you know it. Run from sin. Run from the things. Run from the enemy, for he desires to rip you off. And look at you in the face continually. Say, ah, you little buster, I got you to fall again. Rise up against him. Do not allow him to rip you off and to pull you down. I want you guys to be blessed, man. I want you guys to experience life. And I believe many of you are and have tasted of it and are still. You know the secrets. You know what you're to do. Let's finish this up. 21 and 22. Thou shalt not plant thee a grove of any trees near unto the altar of the Lord thy God, which thou shalt make thee. Neither shalt thou set up any image which the Lord thy God hates. You're not to plant groves. Huh? Is that speaking about weed, Josh? No, no, no. speaking about is the groves. It is where the men and the women, they used to run out into these groves and have sexual craziness out here in these groves. God says you're not to plant any of that. You're not to have these groves of any type and you're not to place any image that the Lord hates. There's to be no image before the Lord. We've got to be careful what we plant in our lives starts off small, and it can move to greater things very quickly. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's really easy. How about laziness? We plant that within our lives and watch how it grows very quickly. How about depression? Plant that in our lives and watch how it grows very quickly. How about checking out something on the internet? Watch how it grows very quickly. How about lying about something to get out of something and watch how you have to continue to dig that hole to get out? And you don't. You get caught. Be very careful what you plant within your life. For you're going to have to try to cut that tree down and when those roots dig deep, it's going to be very hard to dig up. That's why you run towards righteousness. Do not allow any image to be erected within your life that will destroy you. If there's images right now there are things right now that you know need to be knocked down and cut out make that decision make that decision uproot those things right now plant in sweetness the fruit of the spirit plant in sweet seeds from the word of God daily within your life reading the word spending time in it love you guys. I want you to be blessed. 
And so tonight, as we close this thing out, remember your God. Now we're going to start doing family. I was thinking it'd be cool if we, I think in a couple weeks, we're going to set up like a, a little table in the back, and it's just going to have the communion elements on there, you know, just like a cracker and some juice. And during worship time, I was thinking it'd be cool if, if you want to go and take it and remember your God and remember what He did for you during the worship time, then you can eat you just take it. it. Spend time with the Lord just saying thank you and continue your worship. Because we need to remember Him daily within our lives. Think about what happens when you do. Think about what happens when you spend time with Him. Is it a bummer? Oh man, I spent time with God. Come on. It's the greatest thing. It's the greatest joy. The greatest peace. And so as you guys go away tonight, remember Him. Remember Him. Remember Him. Plant feasts within your life. I was telling some of the brothers the other night, man, make a schedule. Hey, just tell people, like, you know what? I got a meeting with the Lord at this time, and I'm sorry, I just can't be there. That's what time I need to be there, and that's that's it. That's bottom line. That's when I got to be there. I got a meeting. I ain't gonna miss it for nobody. So I got to be with my God. I got to spend time with Him. Daniel, three times a day. Nobody's gonna mess up his schedule. He's going to seek the face of his God. Nobody Christian, man. You know, I keep bringing him up early. Uh, Christian, come on, come play basketball with us, man. No. Why not, man? Come on, it's Shabbat, man. Just come here. No, I, I promised the Lord to hang out with him. We'd be bummed. We need another guy to play. He would not budge for anything. What a blessing. Would it be sweet, guys? If we here tonight... The reality, right? If we did not went home, even when you're driving home, driving by yourself, just, just, wouldn't it be crazy if we all, even all of us, we actually talked to our God and He spoke to our hearts. We talked back and He ministered unto us. And you felt His presence and you sensed His love and you were in contact with the living God. We hear. And all of our hearts are lifted and pushed forward in the right direction. Can you imagine? Knowing Him who is love and we are motivated to love. Every time we come in contact with the living God we will be changed. Every time I guarantee it, the person who says, yeah, you're a liar can't come in contact with the living God and not be changed. If you seek His face and you spend time with Him and you talk to Him and wait upon Him, I challenge you this. This will be my last thing. I challenge you this. Talk to Him and tell Him the things of your heart and sit and listen. I dare you to bring a notepad with you and see if He speaks and write the things down that He says to you. God will move your life. And watch how you'll be changed forever. Can I pray? Let's go. Oh Lord. You're great King. 
And I'm just so blessed, Lord, that these would even come to this study. And Lord, just want to tell you that we haven't forgotten you tonight. I know there's many in the world that forget the creator of the universe. The greatest, there is none even close. And I'm so sorry, Lord. I've forgotten you so many days in my life. And I ask, Lord, that these here tonight, Lord, you would start to impact us and empower us to live for you. That, Lord, when you tap us on our hearts to spend time with you, we would be faithful. That we would go and spend time. We would get on our face before you. On our knees and spend time with you. Talking to you. A real relationship. A real vibrant, live, active relationship with you. Please minister to these. We need you, Jesus. Thank you for the work you did on the cross. Thank you for letting us go to heaven when we die. Thank you for giving us rest in our hard times. Thank you for giving us peace when we can't, we don't know how to understand. Thank you for causing all things to work together for good. Thank you for letting us draw close to you at any time we want. You got the cell phone on, Lord. You don't click the ignore button or you answer. You are there for us. Thank you for being so sweet, compassionate, loving. Thank you for forgiving. There are many who will never forgive us for the things we've done to them. But you forgive us every single time. We give you our lives. We give you anything you want. Anything you need to. Thank you for being so gracious. Thank you for being so loving. Bless these as they go away tonight. Please, God, handcuff us to you. Bring us close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you. I'll see you guys next week. Amen.